Hey everybody, welcome to The Emil Show. Today, I'm going to talk to you about not why men look at pornography, but how to navigate pornography to create a more close, fulfilling, and intimate relationship in the conversation about pornography. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. Last week, we talked about the five myths of pornography, why men use pornography. So today is like the sequel. We're going to talk about, well, what do we do? How do we deal with this this thing called pornography? Since it's a thing and it's in our relationships, what are we supposed to do now? Because it's there. How do we get rid of it? How do we deal with it? How do we cope with it? How do we manage it? I'm not going to spend too much time about the reasons why people use porn, okay? Because that's already been discussed. I'm not going to talk about that very much. And I'm not going to talk about the the issues, the negative consequences that are associated with using pornography both personally and relationally, because I talked about that last time. I really want to talk about how to navigate pornography, because it isn't whether or not pornography shows up in your relationships that's going to determine the health, strength, and satisfaction of your relationship. It's going to be how you navigate pornography in your relationship. You know, pornography is just a real thing. It happens. It's been around for who knows how long. As long as they could create images, there was pornography. And we talked about some of the reasons why pornography appeals to us in the last session. But as a quick summary, it just resonates with the things that we want to feel in our lives. And so there's an appeal to it. Since it has the appeal, and now more than ever, it's readily available, it's important for us to, you know, to navigate. We kind of need a roadmap of where we want to be and what role we want pornography to play in a relationship. If we don't get clear on the role of pornography and how we're going to deal with pornography when it's when it's there cuz it's there if we don't have that our minds wrapped around what we're going to do then we can't navigate around it it's just going to cause all sorts of problems and uh it's going to trigger a whole host of other problems because sometimes it isn't the pornography that's the problem it's our navigation of it that becomes the problem well i think we need to kind of understand the, the pornography use is on a spectrum. There are those people who avoid it like the plague. And there's those who 
consume it impulsively and are unable to not use pornography. It just becomes one of those things that they need to do two, three, four times a day. So there's a huge spectrum about uh, pornography. And there's a difference between pornography that's being consumed, and I wouldn't say casually, but there are those who are like, I, I just don't find pornography that appealing to me, you know, specifically. That's not the thing. That's not my weakness. And for a variety of reasons, where other people are drawn to it, and therefore when they use it, it wouldn't be a casual thing. It would be an impulsive thing that they curb with effort and strategy. So just because someone uses pornography doesn't mean they are addicted. And so when people ask me, well, how do you, how, well, how do you know when someone's addicted to pornography? I thought if, if they used it at all, it was an addiction because if they realize that it's not good for them and they continue to do it, then that would be an addiction. Well, anybody who's been on a diet knows that that isn't true. You know, we might know that eating the Twinkie or the Snicker bar or the cupcake or the slice of pie isn't good for us in our goals. Yet, just because we are tempted to eat that brownie, it doesn't mean we have an addiction to the brownie. Pornography is on a spectrum. If someone's got an addiction to pornography, an addiction is defined as an impulsive behavior that is causing problems in other important areas of their life, and their efforts to stop that behavior are ineffective. So now, if you look at that, any behavior that's causing a problem in your other areas of your life and your effort to stop that behavior, curb that behavior is ineffective, then that would that would fit the definition of an addiction. There are other definitions of addiction, like your body needs that thing, that substance, that chemical. And that's not a a complete definition of addiction. It's one of the elements of an addiction, but there's a lot of other things that people can do or consume that, that like with alcohol, your body requires it. You have a physiological need for the alcohol. And if you don't, then you could die. Okay, so that's called dependence, not necessarily addiction. And if you have a dependence on something, then you have an addiction. But you can have an addiction without having a dependence on something. So that's just a term I want to make sure that you're aware of when we think about the impulsive consumption of a thing like pornography. You may not become dependent on it physiologically. In other words, your body, you could live if someone said cold turkey, you can't have it anymore. You might not like it, but you could live. And so you may not develop a dependency a chemical dependency on pornography. But that doesn't mean it's not an addiction. So an addiction is a behavior, uh, a consuming something that, that causes problems in other areas of your life and your efforts to curb it 
are unsuccessful, boom, you've got an addiction. With that said, now we need to shift into what some of the biggest problems about pornography are. Now, we talked last time about the effect of pornography has on the individual. But I want to spend a little time talking about how it affects the relationship. Now, with pornography, there's a huge amount of shame associated with pornography in some cases. Now, even if you don't have a lot of shame associated with the consumption of pornography, that doesn't mean it's not going to have an impact on the relationship because a lot of pornography use objectifies women and kind of takes the sex of a relationship and turns it into an activity rather than a bonding experience. So the more pornography is being consumed, then sex becomes a recreational activity more than a bonding experience. And that's one of the ways you can tell if someone's using pornography is, is if the focus isn't on the connection and the experience together and more on the action or the particular activity. That's when there's maybe a hyper-focus on what you're doing rather than what you're experiencing together. So back to one of the problems with uh, pornography relationally is if there's a lot of shame associated with pornography, then that makes the person who's using pornography reluctant to disclose. And so that secrecy, that privacy about not sharing that information, which is a betrayal to the relationship because in a marital relationship, Sex is one of those things that you're supposed to share. It's not something that you do as a single person activity. It's more complicated than that. Sex is something that creates closeness and it shouldn't create distance. So any sexual behaviors that foster distance would be seen as not a healthy sexual behavior. So whether there's masturbation or you know personal you know sexual experiences it needs to be my recommendation is it needs to be under the umbrella of relational closeness in other words it needs to be discussed as what are the rules and roles of our sexuality and also like that's where pornography comes in what role Or where do we want pornography to be in our relationship? So that you can be on the same page with that. If you haven't had these kinds of conversations and you've got all the shame surrounding it, then that creates one of the biggest problems I see in relationships where porn use is experienced. And that is the betrayal in the relationship, the deceit, the dishonesty component to pornography use. So you've got a level of betrayal in that there's a sexual experience without the partner present, and then there's a lie or a withholding of information about the behavior. So there's this, you know, double whammy of, you know, betrayal. And that betrayal is extremely destructive to the relationship, and in some cases more destructive than the use of pornography. Because a lot of the women that I talk with, they understand 
to a degree that men are drawn to porn and their husbands are going to be drawn to porn. It's when pornography becomes the preference or when there becomes a um, deception or lie about it that they don't feel a part of the relationship anymore. They're getting kicked out of the relationship. It's as if the partner to the person who's using pornography, it's as if the message that they're being sent is that they aren't trusted with this information, which implies that that you can't love me, nor should you love me, since I use pornography. I'm unworthy of your love because of my shameful behavior. And that's insulting. You know, most of the women that I talk to, although they don't love that their husbands are using pornography, they hate that they're not talking to them. They hate that they're, you know, in the dark on the struggles that their husbands have. And of course, it's not just the husbands, but let's just be honest. It's more often the husbands that are having this problem. And it's more often the wives that are struggling with their husbands who have this problem. Because most of the men that I know whose wives are using pornography, most of the men get it so much that they don't really care that much. So that's just one level of difference that I want to point out that this isn't so black and white that there's a lot of layers to this. So let's get back to communicating with your partner. It's about the connection in the relationship more than anything else. Everything that you do will have an impact on the strength of the connection in your relationship. And if pornography becomes something that's compulsive, in other words, it's starting to become a problem, then by all means it needs to be discussed and communicated. Now, the reason why I say that is because now you need the support of your partner. Now, if you and your partner have a conversation and you both decide based on the level of closeness and intimacy that you want to experience, because this isn't though everybody has to do this. It's based on the quality of the relationship that you want, there are certain rules you have to follow. So you might want, the wife might want, and the husband might want to be completely transparent about their sexuality and not have any secrets. No secrets in terms of pornography, masturbation, uh, fantasy. They are going to be transparent and share that because they don't want those issues to minimize their intensity of closeness. Now, there are some people who just can't handle that. They're just, whoa, that's just too much. Or personally, they have issues with their partner using pornography and they know what's going to happen. They just don't need to know about when and how often as long as it doesn't become compulsive and something that has to happen a lot. Now, they get to determine how much too much is. There are some helpful hints, like, for example, it has a certain staying power in the mind, if you will. And so the more someone uses, the more of an impact and an effect it's going to have on the man's mind in terms of objectifying women and and making sex more of an activity rather than a connection or bonding experience. 
So it's important to get clear on what the roles and rules are of the relationship. How do we need to, um, or when do we need to talk about pornography? Which would then bring up, well, how do we talk about it when we need to talk about it? And if it's about the connection in the relationship, then there needs to be a conversation about pornography. You can't just say these are the roles and rules and then not have a, a conversation about it. So having conversations about it, instead of saying, well, have you used pornography? It's like, when did you see something? What time this week did you see, you know, something that was provocative? So now we're we're kind of broadening the conversational scope about sharing these kinds of details. Because when is something pornography? Is it just a provocative picture? Is that pornography? I might say, well, no, that's not pornography. Is nudity pornography? No. Is it only sexual behaviors? See, we need to define what pornography is so that we're on the same page with that. Because we can't just assume that everyone sees it the same. But get on the same page. Have the conversation. Hey, what do we want to do with pornography? How do we want to handle the reality of pornography in our relationship, in our marriage? How should we have the conversation? How do we bring it up? And having conversations like, hey, what's the most provocative thing you've seen this week? Well, it started with this, then it led to that, and then it led to this. Okay, well, how was it? Now imagine having a conversation like that instead of "Ah," gasp, because then that creates shame. See, if we want to have a conversation where it's transparent, then we need to make it safe to have the conversation. But if there's shame all over the conversation, you're probably not going to foster an environment of transparency. And it's really easy to then just dismiss the conversation altogether, which contributes to secrecy, deception, and minimized connection. Once we get on the same page as far as the role pornography is going to play in our relationship, how we want it to play in our relationship, how we don't want it to be in our relationship, whatever the the rules are, what kind of commitment do we make to each other about being an advocate for our partner's sexuality? Pornography is is a lot about sex. Now, there's more components to that, but we need to really have a conversation about, well, what's our role in my partner's sexual appetite? Do I have a role or responsibility in meeting my partner's needs? If those are just assumptions instead of a conversation, then that's going to create a lot of frustration and disappointment. When those expectations are not managed very well, it creates hurt. And that hurt and disappointment kind of ferments and turns into resentment and then contempt. And that's dangerous to have in a relationship because that's when the heart starts to get cold. So we need to have a conversation about, okay, what about our own, our sexuality and what's our role? How, how do I communicate that I'm, I'm wanting to connect sexually What's my responsibility? My responsibility with my wife, I can't just say, hey, I'm in the mood. There's things I need to do to make sure there's a sense of emotional closeness. 
that she feels valued and cared about. Because I understand, especially as a therapist, that my wife's sexual desire doesn't come from how handsome I am, although I'd like to think that that has a little bit to do with it, but it actually has more to do with how loved, valued, and supported she feels. That is what creates the connection. And and so therefore, I need to have a, a perspective about my role and responsibility in our sexual relationship. And my wife, likewise, what's her role in our sexual relationship? Is it just a one-way road? Or is it a two-way road? That conversation is an important conversation to have when we're talking about pornography and masturbation, by the way. I use pornography and masturbation. They, they usually go two together. Not all the time, but I'd like to group those together. So having a conversation about what the roles and rules are about your sexuality about how transparent you want to be, what your thoughts and beliefs are, what your feelings are about pornography, both the positive ones and negative ones, what the rules and the roles are going to be about what do we do when those moments come up, and manage those expectations based on reality. There are going to be moments when the limbic system is going to be stronger than the frontal cortex. And the desire to fulfill that impulse is going to be greater than your um, discipline to postpone instant gratification, especially when it's so prevalent and, and immediately accessible. These types of conversations create the loving connection. It creates trust. It creates a sense of respect. It provides an opportunity for support. It provides a sense of appreciation for that support. Having these conversations and getting on the same page is what strengthens that relationship and make it a beautiful thing. When you are stuck... And you can't figure out how to do a breakthrough. You get to an impasse and there's hurt feelings all the time. Or your efforts to create change in your sexuality, in your pornography use, it's just not creating closeness. And you've done everything you can. You've, you've read books, you've listened to podcasts, and you're just still struggling. You can't get on the same page. Don't waste a second. Contact a reputable therapist. And I'm happy to connect you with people that I'm associated with uh, that have great reputations and understand the principles of healthy sexuality in an overall healthy relationship. So if you struggle, email me, emailharker at gmail.com. We will help you find somebody that will fit for you. Don't wait. Don't postpone. Don't try to just see if it'll take care of itself. Uh, That's just postponing more pain. So just get on it. And then the sooner you get on it, the faster you can get on the right track to create a more fulfilling and beautiful relationship. I hope this podcast is helping you uh, navigate better this very real issue of pornography in helping 
husbands and wives work through the difficulties that that kind of there's so many different things that can interfere with our ability to be close and and wonderfully intimate and pornography is one of those things and it's one of those things that's not talked about very much without some like supercharged political socio-political platform and I just want to get real with you and help you embrace the reality of pornography not embrace pornography embrace the reality that it is there so you and your partner can get on the same page about how you want to navigate it to get you to your ultimate destination which is bliss in your relationship Thanks for listening to The Emil Show. If you want to learn how you can make a greater impact in the important relationships in your life, you owe it to yourself to get my book, You Can Turn Conflict Into Closeness. I know it's a long title for a book, but You Can Turn Conflict Into Closeness will teach you how to bring things up, how to respond to criticisms, how to respond to blame or allegations or passive-aggressive statements. It'll teach you how to resolve issues for good. You can take control of the most stressful and important moments with confidence and kindness. And you can get a free copy today by going to emilharker.com. That's E-M-I-L-H-A-R-K-E-R.com and click the link that says free book. And if you've got questions that you want answers for about relationships, email me your question at email at emilharker.com and I'll answer your questions in one of my future episodes.